Hello and welcome to the seventh series podcast, where we talk about Ashtanga yoga and family life. The show is produced in Melbourne, Australia, by me, your host, Gaynor Stanisic. Hi, it's Gaynor. Thanks for joining me. In this episode of the seventh series podcast, I speak with Irina Bartolich. Arena is an authorised Ashtanga yoga teacher. She spends her time between Bali, Costa Rica and is originally from Croatia. She is an amazing strong woman and shares with us her story of raising her child as a single mother. Despite being told she wouldn't be able to conceive, Irina found out she was pregnant at eight weeks. Early into her third trimester, Irina experienced an issue with her cervix and was told to have complete bed rest. During this time, her relationship with her husband began to demise. When her daughter was only two weeks old, her husband left and she was left to raise her daughter alone. Irina turned to her yoga mat and began practice, feeling that this was her only safe place. Irina has taken trips to Mysore and then went to Bali, where she found a supportive community of mothers and then stayed there to teach Ashtanga yoga. We hear how yoga has given her the strength to endure the challenges and heartache that she faced. This is a great episode and you'll get to hear all about how she managed to raise her daughter, maintained her Ashtanga yoga practice while teaching or running her yoga shala, and about family and yoga community. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Arena. How are you? Hi. I'm, I'm very good. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. To start off with, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live and who's in your family? So I'm originally from Croatia and for the next six years I've been living on Bali and that was my home. Then I came to Costa Rica to visit my partner's mom and to have a family reunion and now we are here since pandemic, since February, so it's already like eight months. Currently in my family is my boyfriend's mom, my partner, my daughter and she's like uh, eight years old, and myself. That's it. That's our little happy bubble. And you mentioned that you were a single mom for a while. Is that right? I'm a single mom, yeah. I'm a single mom since uh, basically my daughter was born. Her dad uh, left when she was only like two weeks old. And yeah, since then I was like juggling single parenting by myself. I think we'll get into that a little bit more as we go through. So tell us a little bit about your yoga practice. How long have you been practicing for and what drew you to Ashtanga Yoga? So I started actually with yoga on my university around year 2000, maybe even a little bit before because I was studying kinesiology and it was part of the program there. And I really liked it, but it was not Ashtanga. It was just one other slower form of Hatha yoga. But then when I uh, graduated and I did my master's at the university, I went to travel to India because I really liked to do yoga a little bit more. And then I stumbled into Ashtanga in a purple valley on Goa, but it was still in uh, old days when they had a tent and not a super fancy resort place. And I really liked Ashtanga because I was coming from the sports background. And I really liked the feeling that after the first class, I was so sweaty and so exhausted. And I didn't know like what happened to me. And I really liked that 
part of the physical challenge. And I just uh, continued to practice it. So since in Croatia, we didn't have any teachers back then. The closest one to me was Lino Miele, who was teaching in Italy. So I was, whenever I could, I was going to his workshops and retreats. And then I slowly started to come to Mysore. Then later I started to practice and visit Rolf and Marcy on Goa. There were many other teachers, but then like later on, uh, I stumbled upon Richard Freeman and his teaching. Then I was like following him for a while. I was super lucky and blessed enough to, to have a chance to practice with them all. So tell us about um, your trips to Mysore. How many times have you been to Mysore? I think first time I was there, it was like 2003, 2004. And then I was coming there, back, coming back there, like almost on a regular basis. I think the last time I was there was like my daughter was two, two and a half years old. It was, I think, 2014. And that was my last time that I was there, actually. Were you there for very long when you went to Mysore? When I was still without a kid, I would always spend all my money and all my free time of just traveling and studying with the teachers. So I would be staying as much as I could, a month or two, and then sometimes we'll go straight to a, to a Goa. But I think the longest time that I stayed there was like four months when my daughter was six, seven months old. That was like the, mo- the longest trip that I was there. And what did your practice look like at that time? Well, to be honest, I was, uh, you know, when you get into Ashtanga and you get super passionate about it, it was very strict and very disciplined. And in 2004, I started uh, my own shala in Zagreb, in Croatia. So I was really living this uh, super disciplined lifestyle of waking up at four, practicing for two hours, and then being at the shala and teaching Mysore at 7 a.m. So I was really practicing six times per week, skipping Mondays and ladies' holidays. And it was uh, pretty strict, I could say right now. But I think when you're 20 and, you know, you have a different mindset than when you're in your 40s. Talk a little bit about when you were with your partner and how you became a mother? So I was with uh, my ex-husband for 12 years. You know, we never really planned to have a baby. Kids are something that you talk about when you're in a long relationship, but it was never like, you know, planned or, you know, scheduled the sex to to conceive or anything like that. It just uh, happened. Actually, it happened uh, at the time when... I was diagnosed with a polyp in my uterus and I was scheduled for a hysteroscopy. Then suddenly I conceived where the chances to conceiving are very, very, very minimal. To be honest, I didn't even know that I was pregnant. When you have like this condition, like skipping of your periods and, you know, irregular and strange periods are normal. So I was feeling tired and nauseous, but, you know, doctor said that I cannot get pregnant. So I just like trusted to the doctor. And then basically when I was scheduled to the procedure and I went to the doctor for the checkup, they diagnosed it a pregnancy. (laughs) 
I was already, I think, far away in like eight or even maybe more weeks. So it was kind of a, a big surprise. Can you tell us a little bit more about that condition? Apparently, my uterus was very estrogen rich. The inside of my uterus was very fertile, and then I had these polyps, and they needed to remove them if you want to conceive, just that embryo has a space to grow. But then somehow, you know, the, the polyp was gone just by itself. Sometimes that happens also, you know, that you lose them in your periods. I was lucky enough that my gynecologist was uh, my long-term student and my good friend. So I was really having like a good support from her. And, you know, during that stage and during the whole pregnancy, and that actually helped a lot. When you found out that you were pregnant, did you change your practice? I was still, yeah, it was more gentle. It became more gentle. I kind of stopped doing the intermediate series and all these like intense backbends. I was really enjoying the primary, you know, the calming effects of the primary. And also I was tired. They put me on a progesterone therapy and I was super under hormones. And the first three months, I just remember being like super tired and super sleepy and waiting for the day to finish so I can like sleep again. So... <laughs> But then, you know, it changed in the second trimester, second trimester. I was really feeling good and I didn't put a lot of weight and I was super active walking and teaching and practicing. Also, like with the modification, you know, as the belly is growing, I felt that I need to modify it and keep the wider stance and kind of you need to slow down. Your breathing is much faster. And then when I was, you know, life seems seems fine and I had so many plans what I will do before she arrives. But then when I was in the third trimester, when I was six months pregnant, I started to open up. And actually I was sending on a strict bed rest for the for the last three months of my pregnancy. And I needed to have a procedure. They put like uh, stitches on my cervix. That was uh, that was really a really challenging time for me. Yeah, it must have been going from being so active and so mobile to all of a sudden being bedridden. It's nightmare. It's really a nightmare for, for the mind and for the body. You know, the body wants to move, and suddenly you can't. To kind of get myself out of depression and still, you know, give some uh, information to my body, I was really lying in my bed and I was going through the whole sequence in my head, just like breathing and, you know, imagining that I'm doing it. And then later on in the pregnancy, when it was already safe, when it was past 36 weeks, I was doing the practice with my legs up on the wall. I was just like, you know, doing the whole sitting postures with the legs up on the wall. So that was also an interesting experience, but I just needed to move. You know? How did you discover that as a practice? Was that something you just did intuitively or had you read about it somewhere or someone told you about being able to do it that way? I did it in, in a way intuitively and I was not allowed to put my pelvis in a horizontal, perpendicular position. 
So I was thinking that's the only way I can do something, at least with my legs and, you know, just fake it, fake it until you make it. So I really feel the need to move, you know, and uh, later in the pregnancy when your pelvis starts to open up and when you have all this like strange shifting in your lower back, you know, my body just wanted to move. So this was the way I created for myself and I was experimenting with it because it seems safe, you know, but I could still like move, not to break the rules of, you know, or jeopardize the, the pregnancy. What did the practice feel like when you were doing it in that way? Were you still able to sort of gain some heat or what did you feel you got out of it aside from just moving? I was getting some stretches, definitely. I could connect with my breath and, you know, I was feeling that I'm finally doing something and that I can do something because after being uh, just like super on a bed rest, like I was not allowed to sit or walk to the bedroom and that's it your body start to feel like itchy from not moving i didn't like sweat or anything like that but it was just satisfaction that you still have these muscles and that they cannot move and on a psychological aspect you don't feel so helpless you know you feel like okay small steps but one step at a time and i will get there aside from that condition how was the rest of your pregnancy? Well, that was it when I was, uh, that, that was, that was enough. <laughs> it was interesting because of that, you know, it was a lot of shifts from like being tired into being like super active and feeling great until like suddenly like strict bed rest. So it was such a, such a hard ups and downs. I didn't feel that I knew what will happen, but everything was so like, in a way, sharp and intense. But then uh, in the 38 weeks when it was safe to remove the stitches, I just went into the labor as soon as they removed the stitches. So at least labor was like easy for me. That was like, you know, the, the, the cream at the top of the, of the very strange way. Before we launch into the, your birth, what happened with your students in your studio when you were uh, on bed rest? It was still running. My good friend and my ex-husband, who was also uh, Ashtangi, they were helping me with the students and with everything. And my students were really like wonderful and supportive and calling me and checking on me. So it managed to, to survive with the little help of my friends. And I'm super grateful for that. It's great when you have a community that can support you at, at a time when you need it. Oh, definitely. I think communities are so important. Going back to your birth then, what were your first signs of labour? Was it an immediate thing when they removed the stitches or did you sort of go home and something change? Well, they removed the stitches and then I was already six, six centimetres open. So they didn't even want to, to send me home. They were just like, it's going to happen and it's better that it's happening here that, you know, then you go home and then surprise, surprise. So they just left me in the hospital and they gave me induced, you know, the, the medicine for the induced labor. And I went into the labor. I got the contraction. It was like induced labor. So... 
it was very easy and and very fast i could say i think it took me five hours from the moment i signed up all the papers and everything you know when they were receiving me to the hospital until when i was in the room with my daughter in my arms yeah that is quick did that also make it very intense No, I didn't find it intense. I didn't find it intense, actually, at all. I didn't even find it painful, you know. She was very little. She was less than two cages. And I think yoga helped me a lot to just relax and to stay with the breath and kind of to understand the pain and not to freak out. But then I really had like amazing gynecologist that I really trust and we were really like working together. So it was not painful. It was, it was actually quite easy and quite smooth. Did you have a particular expectation with birth? Had you originally thought that you might have a home birth or did you always know you were going to have a hospital birth or was that taken out of your hands as soon as you were put in the position where you had to be bedridden? I never even start to think about it. I think by the time I I supposed to start to think about it, I was already on the bed rest. And then from that that on my whole po- focus was just I wanted her to be safe and healthy and you know, I didn't even like think about other options. It was like, you know, I had a trust in a my gynecologist and I was like, whatever they will tell me to do, that it's the safest way to do it, I will just do that. Because it was already like scared enough just to, you know, wake up every day and having all this like strange feeling in your bo- in your belly. I mean, she was moving, but it was, ne- I never knew like if this is good or bad, if I'm opening up now, you know. After three months of this, I was quite happy to be, you know, in the hospital and guided by by my friend. And then how was it once you had had your daughter? Did you know you were having a little girl? Yeah, I wanted to know the I wanted to know it. So, you know, the first I think 24 hours you are so excited and under adrenaline, right? But then after 24 hours everything changes, the hormones like drop down. I need to admit, I need like a, a, a period of time to, to adjust, you know? It was like, I'm here and this is some strange small creature next to me and what should we do with each other, you know? And then there is the whole issue of breastfeeding. Yeah, it was ki- kind of confusing, I need to admit. I didn't have this blissful feeling as I was expecting that, you know, angels will sing and I will be just like in a bliss of light. (laughs) Nothing like that happened. I could say I was like excited and confused and, oh my God, what is happening to me and who is this and, you know, what I need to do now at the same time. But then you are also hormonal and you are just crying and you don't even know why you are crying, right? Did you end up breastfeeding? Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. You know, at the beginning was uh, difficult and it was painful. And I think that was uh, the hardest part to get uh, used to it. Also, you know, to get used to it, to the bras and all this like extra milk that it was coming out. So it was like pretty messy until we 
we find a routine that you know that it's working and that we get used to each other and me getting used to it but then I breastfeeded her until she was almost two yeah I really enjoyed it and it's quite you know easy and helpful once when you get over this like first stage of how should I do it and am I doing it right and is she getting enough of food and oh my god this is so painful and (laughs) don't bite me then it's actually like pretty handy. How was your recovery after the birth itself? You know, like my one of my smart friends told me to massage the perineum, right, to to get it more stretchy. So I started to doing that when I was 36 weeks and it really helped. I got only one stitch and then immediately, I think after 24 hours, After birth, I started to do Kegel exercises, and that really helped a lot. But then everything else was pretty fast. I didn't get a lot of weight. I think I lost the weight in the first month. I was already on my my old weight. And just like breastfeeding kind of, breastfeeding was the most difficult part. My body got like pretty fast in, in in a shape. I think I was more suffering from uh, not practicing and not doing anything for the, you know, for the three months than the birth itself. Yeah, my ex-husband basically left when she was two weeks old. So everything was on me. So uh, I was, to be honest, I was not even like, uh, think about like, can I do this? How I feel? It was just like, I need to go through the day. I need to keep us alive. And that was my mantra for the first uh, month or two. And were you practicing at that time, not long after you had your baby? I started to practice, I think, like three weeks afterwards, but not a full practice. I would do just some easy, gentle stretches, and then slowly I would shift into, a, you know, sun salutations, a little bit of standing. I was really listening to my body. And I was listening to the needs of my daughter. Then at one point I was like, okay, now it's time to do the practice. And I had like high hopes about how my practice should look like. And I was trying to kind of push this like old me and old practice into this new mother role. It was just not working, you know. I would be like waking up early tiptoeing to the to this practicing space and then you start to practice you chant and then you know she woke up cries when <laughs> she wants milk so it was constantly interrupting I need to admit I it needed me like a couple of months to get used to it that you know and to accept that this is my new role and that I cannot go to back to my old life habits and and you know schedules that it's all about serving you know it's all about seva and being there for her and once when i accept that reality then it was much more easier tell us a little bit about your relationship with your husband was that sort of coming to an end before your daughter was born or why was it at two weeks that he left you know it started when I was sent to the bed rest, you know, it started to be uh, really challenging. 
you know, I was thinking it's because it's so much on him, right? The whole household was on him. He was taking care and helping me with my studio. And he was having his business. And, you know, he's also like becoming father soon. So I was thinking that he's just like overwhelmed with everything and stressing out. Then when I was like two weeks after the the labor, he just sat me down and he said like, I'm sorry, I cannot do it. I cannot do family. And basically then we started to separate and uh, going through a divorce, which was super heartbreaking and painful, painful. And in a way it was unexpected, you know. When you are with someone for 12 years, you go through ups and downs, but I never expected that he would just like, you know, leave when we had a baby. It was really like, you know, for me, it was like, really, right now? Yeah, it was really heartbreaking. I was also depressed after the labor and, you know, going through all these fights and arguings. It was not helping the situation. Also, like baby not sleeping all night long and waking up and having the colleagues. It really took a toll on me. I was really feeling like sad and disappointed and abandoned. Yeah, it was not a <laughs> happy times. Did he have any relationship with his daughter or what happened to him after the breakup? Well, he was really in a strange place, you know. He really wanted to have a relation, but then he couldn't. It was really strange and challenging, you know. I think he was uh, having the fights in himself also. But actually then uh, after a year of, you know, me trying to fix up and figure out what's happening and giving him space and, you know, giving him to come and see us whenever he wants and leave whenever he wants. It was a really difficult and challenging. But then, like, I found out that actually, you know, he hooked up with my yoga student. So that was another telenovela, you know. That was the actually the, the reason why he left. It's, it was a, a really interesting, interesting times. Well, you've done well to make your way through all of that. How did you navigate that time? Did you have family to support you or were you just doing it all on your own? Well, mostly I was doing it on my own. I had my family, but my dad was uh, diagnosed you know, with, uh, with lymphoma and he was going really to, uh, through a bad period. So my mom was really busy with taking care of him. So I had help from my friends, from my neighbors, from my family, whoever volunteered to help. I was like, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> like, you're more than welcome, you know. So it was really like very chaotic time. And, you know, I really started to appreciate my practice more and more because coming on my mat every day was the only place that I actually felt safe and felt protected in some strange way and that was the only place that I you know I knew what is going to happen right it's Ekam Dvetrini it's very structural and there are no big surprises and so that was actually my comfort place that makes me find a little bit of sanity in these crazy times. 
And what was happening with your yoga, Shala? Like, did you still have that or did you have to let it go? No, I had it. I was bringing my daughter to my classes or I would, you know, just leave her with my mom or with my friends who volunteered to take care of her. And or she would go with me in the shala and she was there with me on the classes. I would just like put her a little blanket on the floor and toys, you know, and my or just have, have her in a baby Bjorn in this like kangaroo carrier, baby carrier. And my students were like super supportive and super like welcoming us. And that really helped, you know, sometimes I would be teaching between two breastfeeding. It's like, it was really crazy, you know, like you breastfeed, you teach, you adjust, and then you run and breastfeed again. Yeah, when she was like six months, I really felt a burnout and that it's like too much and that I actually need to find myself, that I need to take some time and space to, you know, to digest everything what is happening and to get in touch with like how I feel, what I feel, what I want to do. And then I took her and we went to Mysore for three months. And that was like amazing, amazing experience for me. And how was your body at that time after the pregnancy? Did you have any pelvic floor issues or abdominal separation or any other conditions or your body just felt normal again? No, my body felt normal. I don't think it ever went back to what it was, you know. I feel that my pelvis is wider and that I like to have my samastiti heel a little bit wider. Other than that, uh, nothing. I actually became like much more softer and more flexible and I could finally do some poses that I was not able to do before the pregnancy. I think it really like brought this aspect of softness in my tight hips and tight pelvis. How was your time in Mysore and then where did you go to after there? I really loved it. You know, I finally have time for my practice. I don't know, you know Ratna probably from Mysore. She would be coming like every early morning and taking care of Frida. And I would just go and do like a long and beautiful practice. And I really have this community of my amazing like yoga family and yoga friends that they were there just like, you know, like playing with Frida and helping me in any way that they could. So I really enjoyed that time, you know, for us being there and also her being exposed to like such a different cultures. And then I came back, I continued to teach in my shala and then I went back to Mysore again next year. And then when she was like less than two years, I went to, to Bali actually for the holidays just to spend the winter somewhere nice and warm and not in the cold, cold Europe. And I was offered to substitute Mysore classes for my friend that she was teaching there. And I came for like three months and then I just loved it and I just stayed. And then slowly I needed to let go of my shala and make a transition to, to Bali. So did you have to go back and settle up everything or did someone just take it on? Somebody take it on. I didn't want to go back. I was really having like 
you know, nice time. And I feel, I was feeling that I'm healing and getting my strength back. And Bali is full of amazing single moms. And I really enjoyed having, you know, them around me and giving me a guidance and a sense of humor on the situation that it was not looking so funny to me at the time, right? But when you see like a bunch of women going basically through the same dramas and same telenovelas, you kind of start to laugh, you know? You think that you're alone in your suffering, but you're not. You know, there are others also who are going through the same and that they're just fine, you know? They're all amazingly strong women. You know, to see that makes you feel more comfortable and more strong in your decision and in your path, how you want to to live your life. So where are you teaching now? You know, uh, I started uh, Cosmos Yoga Academy and we were doing like Ashtanga Yoga Immersions. Now I'm here for eight months and I'm organizing uh, retreats in Croatia, hopefully for this winter and the next spring. And I'm teaching workshops here and in Costa Rica. And I'm teaching in one uh, studio in Usara, in Bodhitree Studio. I'm here. I'm still here. So when you're living in Bali and you're teaching, how did you fit your practice in and how did you manage that with your daughter? Who was looking after her while you were practicing and teaching? We kind of... uh... Me and my daughter already get used to each other and my my uh, weird need to practice every morning. So I would just practice in my house before teaching. And sometimes she would wake up and she would just like, you know, come and bring her blanket and sleep next to me. So that was easy. You know, she just kind of get used to it, to this like weird yoga mama that is dragging the kid dragging the kid like all over the place to practice yoga and then when I would teach uh, I would have a babysitter and Bali is pretty easy with the babysitter so babysitter will take her to kindergarten or later to school and I will be teaching if she would be off she would just come with me in the shala and she already like you know knows how to behave and not to make a mess you know students are mostly friendly and very welcoming when they see kids and I'm always encouraging my students you know with the with the kids if you don't have a nanny or somebody to take care of your kids just bring them and we will figure out it's just like I think a natural process in uh, in our practices right what have been some of the more challenging things that you've faced raising your daughter, particularly as a single parent? Oh, wow. You know, I don't even know how it's uh, not to be single parent. Well, I think there is a bag of anxieties that you get by being a single parent. And, and sometimes I wake up and I have these anxieties like, oh, my God, I need to like, you know, <laughs> I need to keep her alive and put her through school for so many more years. And I'm having this like gypsy lifestyle as a yoga teacher. Then you kind of go day by day, right? It's always like uh, financial anxieties, but I always going like day by day and trying to ask for help when I need it and, you know, talk with the community, talk with my friends. Now I'm having an amazing, beautiful partner and really like healthy and 
loving relationship and him and his family they're very very beautiful to my daughter and to myself and very supportive of us so it's getting easier you know and it's easier when they're growing up at least i think so until they hit the teenager years then then we can talk again (laughs) so share with us how you met your new partner and a little bit about your relationship with him Oh, I met him on Bali and he was coming and practicing in the shala where I was teaching. We met there, we went for the dinner and we kind of clicked and we started to hang out a little bit more. And he used to live six months on Bali, six months in Costa Rica where his mom is. So we were having this like, you know, long-term relationship it took us a while to become, you know, in a more committed relationship because I always was protective of my daughter. You know, I didn't want to bring any kind of man to my house, but the one that I really care about. Yeah, now we are here together and we are like a little modern family and we are really getting along each other very well. That sounds beautiful. It's like a happy, happily ever after. Well, every <laughs> this is the fairy tales, but let's see. <laughs> and do you have a desire to have more children with your new partner? Is that something that you've talked about? Uh, you know, after living eight months in a in a house with my daughter and his mom, I think our desire right now is to have a holiday on some like <laughs> deserted island. Right now, no, I'm already getting into like pre-menopausing period of my life and I'm really happy with having my daughter and just giving her the best that I can and most probably my second pregnancy will be risky again and I cannot don't want to go through that so I'm more than happy to to have one it's it's a lot of work already what are some of the best things that you've enjoyed about being a parent Well, you know, I think she makes me more compassionate, more kind. Kids are really good reflection and mirrors about, you know, how you feel and how you are. And I think sometimes she can read me faster than, you know, I can read myself. And I'm really enjoying a playfulness of having your kids around and... Definitely, she taught me not to take life so serious, right? Sometimes when I'm serious, she's just like laughing and telling me like, oh, you're so, so serious. You're a little grumpy and you're a little angry. You just start to have more fun with yourself. And yeah, you're not taking yourself so serious anymore, right? Did you have to do anything consciously when you were introducing your daughter to your new partner? You know, it was weird. It's kind of nobody teach you how to do that. I think we were more stressed and tense than she, you know. She was still little and she, you know, it's like it's one of the friends because mostly we are hanging out with a lot of friends and, you know, this is Uncle this. this is all of my friends are uncles to her. So I'm having a lot of male friends. They really become close very fast. So that's, that's the beauty about it. 
he's very soft and very gentle with her and she can recognize that now they're already like you know having these little conspiracies against me and so it's it's fun and so will you all go back to bali and live there or will you stay in costa rica i think i will go to croatia we are trying together in november but let's see with the situation in europe Definitely we will come back and wait for the Bali to reopen. And once when it's safe to travel back there, I think we will go there again. Bali is our home and it's a beautiful place. You know, if anything, this year taught me not to plan anything. You know, gods are having fun with us this year. Has yoga helped you to be a parent? Oh, definitely. Yoga as well as meditation really made me more close to myself and more honest to myself. So I think when you are honest with yourself, you can be a better parent. Definitely it made me more compassion and more patient with myself and my daughter as well and all the situations that the life is bringing. Has parenting helped your yoga or your yoga teaching? Definitely. I can also be more sympathetic and more compassionate with my students. And sometimes in Ashtanga, we tend to be so serious, right? And so strict about the practices, about ourselves. Actually, for me, it's all about being soft and gentle and kind to ourselves. And, you know, not to put ourselves on a guilt trips because we cannot do this or that or having high expectations from ourselves or the practices, it really made me more open to the students. You know, I'm looking at them from this mothering point of view. Sometimes they really look like kids to me, right? And you try to nurture them and you try to protect them and you try to be there from, for them, like no matter what they're, what they're going through in their lives. You really try to meet them wherever they are. And I think that starts when you try to meet yourself wherever you are and be like honest with yourself. What would you say to someone who may be going through a difficult relationship and could be looking at becoming a single mother themselves? Have you got any advice for that person? I would definitely say go for it and you can do it and you're much stronger than you think you are and it's a lot of lot of fun and it's really an adventure and it's a beautiful adventure and you know I definitely had these moments when I was self-pitying myself and yeah they're having much more easier they're having partners and their partners are helping them out but then I was also happy that I didn't need to make compromises what they're maybe making that, you know, I was completely responsible for everything, but I also was free to make the choice that I wanted to do for my life and for her life and, you know, not to compromise that. It's definitely doable. And I think, you know, from this perspective right now, I think it's healthier for kids for myself and even for her father. And finally now, after six years of nightmares on the courts and heartbreaking uh, 
court session and difficult times, we are able to be civil with each other and co-parent. And it's really beautiful to see my kid, how she positively reacts on that. And so does your daughter have a relationship with her father now? Yeah, so she's every year spending at least two months in Croatia with him and they're having their time. And I have my time alone, which is which is great. When you're a single mom, you don't have any more like free time, right? So the free time and the time for practice becomes such a luxury, actually. And you really start to enjoy your practice and enjoy the meditations. And it's really like a little champagne every day. What does your practice look like now? In quarantine, you know, like, I think this is the first time in in the decades that I don't need to, like, set up my alarm clock and wake up really early. And, you know, sometimes I would practice from 4.30 until 6, 6.30, and then... My daughter will wake up and then I make her breakfast and then I went to teach. And then at 10 a.m. you're exhausted, like you had the whole day behind you, right? Now when we are in this like quiet phase of our lives and in semi-quarantines, quarantine, I really enjoy to just waking up whenever I want. It's still like 6 a.m., but it's not 4. And just like practice and have like a long time for practice. If I want to practice two hours, I can. If I need to practice a little bit less, I can do that. I'm not so strict about practice anymore. It feels good. Basically, I'm practicing every day. I have this commitment with myself that I would show up every day. But sometimes I just do meditation. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you just need like a long shavasana and that's the best practice that you can give to yourself. So for me, it became a tool to go through the day and to be a better version of myself during the day more than, you know, racing to accomplish some goal of doing this series or that series or these postures or that postures. So for me, it's really important that I feel better and more energized and more calm after the practice instead of being, you know, exhausted and then grumpy all day because I practice too much and then everybody suffers. And were you able to return or build your practice back up to something similar to what it was before you had your daughter? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Actually, first time when I went to Mysore with her, when uh, she was six or seven months, I built up my practice to the point where it was. But then, you know, like uh, the Mysore is like a little bubble. This is all you do. You just practice and you don't have anything more to do the rest of the day, right? You're just eating and resting. That's basically maybe going for the chanting classes. But then, you know, when the life kicks in, when you have a school, kindergarten, and no help at home, and and your studio to run, and the students, then your energy change, and the life circumstances are changing. So I really try to adopt the practice depending on the circumstances. Sometimes if they're sick and she sleeps, you know, and wakes up in the night, 
for sure you don't have so much energy to practice in the morning. And some days you just feel like super energized and you can do everything. So everything depends on, you know, the day before and the next day, you know, your schedules and what do you need to do that day. And is there anything else that you'd like to share with everyone? Just be truth to it, you know, true to with yourself and honest and just do you and everything else will follow. Just trust in the practice. It's a really amazing tool to help you through life, through many difficulties, but also be gentle and be kind to yourself and to others. For me, that's the most important and the strongest message I got. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us all of your journey and your experience. It's been great hearing how you've still managed to get on the mat and keep your practice going and and even teaching even as a single mother and not having as much support as maybe others might do. You know, actually, now I'm enjoying my practice more than ever. You know, once when you let go of these attachments of how your practice should look like, you know, we all have when we start practicing these like strange expectations from us, from ourselves and from the practice. But once when you let that go and when you're really having fun with the practice and just listening to your body and what your body is telling you to do and just step out of these boxes of I need to do this serious or I need to do that serious. It's really fun and it's so beautiful and I never enjoyed it more than than now. And I hope it will stay there. You know, I see it's something that I want to do it until I'm dead. I think to preserve the practice, you just need to adapt it to your life circumstances. You know, I don't have like as a single parent, I don't have a free time. I need to like buy my free time so it's either like paying the babysitter or asking someone to do me a favor and to take care of the kids so it's really like I just want to enjoy this just have these moments for myself enjoy it and have fun so if people would like to connect with you what's the best way that they can do that I'm on Instagram as Ashtanga Yoga Mama and you can find me on my website it's ashtangayogamama.com yeah, you can just shoot me email or message. I'm here for everyone that they want to talk or struggling or going through something similar. We're here to support each other. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was really a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the 7th Series Podcast. You can connect with me or share episodes on Facebook and Instagram. Find more information on the show and guests at 7thseries.net. Please tune in again for another episode of the 7th series.